The real estate world is changing. Opportunity is everywhere. It has never been so easy to connect, share, and bring people together. We're learning from others and finding the very best in ourselves. Challenging our beliefs, overcoming our fears, transforming ourselves so we can transform our business. This is Investor Creator. All right. What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Tuesday Morning Coffee. Brad here. We've got our coffee. And more importantly, I've got my Tony, Tony Woodall here. How's it going, hey guys? How are you? So today we're going to be talking about what is your contingency plan? Because we're hearing a lot of really fear, I think, based in the market of what's going on, especially with Ukraine and interest rate hikes. We're going to be talking about that. But let's get to the important stuff first. Tony, what did you do last weekend? Uh, we ran up to East Tennessee for the weekend, a little village called Rugby where we are lucky because we, we bought that house subject to up there. I remember that. It's a great weekend getaway house. We Airbnb it. People love it when they come up there. How long have you had that place now? Three years. Three years. And yeah. it, it, it's been neat because the, the Airbnb side of it pays for it. Yeah. So it's just a fun little place for you guys. To, place we go up there one weekend a month. Was that a historic home or was it built to look like one? It was built to look like one. So there are still about 25 18 early 1880s homes that are there interesting uh, but but then there was a subdivision built in the community in the early 2000s that are all victorian on the outside but the inside you can do whatever you want to but i mean our backyard you walk out of the backyard you're in the big south fort national park right so it is just I mean, this beautiful porch it's three on three sides yeah. of the house i mean it looks like an 1800s bill and, and you got a lot of bears up there right you do have bears Bear, a lot of deer. Now, and a lot of critters. Down in Alabama, you didn't have bears, right? No bears in Alabama, just one. Okay. Well, bear Bryant. Okay. Well, then that, that makes all the difference. It's the only the bear you need. <laughs> old time. So, uh, how does an Alabama fellow get used to bears? Uh, I stay away from them. Okay. I think that makes sense. You know, we have a, it's not many people live up there. It's probably about a hundred of us live up there. So, yeah. uh, we I heard have, you're going to be the mayor. No. Rumors no. to Kara. Truth to that. Kara is the mayor of rugby. So, okay. <laughs> uh, but I mean, all of a sudden a little email will go out to the group and, and you'll check it and say, there, there's a bear over in this area of town right now, a mama bear and two cubs. So be careful. You know? Yeah. We leave them alone. Nobody leaves their trash outside. Nobody's kind of like Gatlinburg. You have some rules, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. So we try not to attract them, but I mean, we're we're on a national park, and that's their neighborhood. So yeah, yeah, we can't exactly say that you were there first. You so. just there? No, you cannot. So that makes sense. What did we do this weekend? I don't even remember. We're in the process of moving. So are you uh, pack, packing up yet? Well, they're packing up. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but you, you you need to say it as if you're doing it. It'll make you feel better about the process. Well, I just don't care. It's like <laughs> I have one closet and my bourbon cabinet, and that's what I'm responsible for. You know, it's interesting. The rest of it, else I never hear anybody mention your, the neighborhood you're going to. Uh, but this past week on Thursday, yeah, out of the blue, I ran into two friends of mine, and both of them live in that neighborhood. Is that right? Yeah. And I had no idea. Well, so we kind of, maybe we'll have some built-in friends. Yeah, kind of Yeah, that'll be good. We'll hook you up. That'll be good. So Chubby's one of our painters. He's doing some painting over there now. 
And Chubby, I'll, I'll tell you about Chubby. So shout out to you, Chubb. He may be watching it, actually. But years ago, and you may, re- may remember this. This was on Live Oak. This was this yeah. house that, that we bought to flip. And this was probably the deepest rehab we'd ever done. Yeah. You know, it was a gut down, reframe, come back up. Which means the ceilings. Bolted the ceilings, everything. And uh, if you remember that seller, th- this was a deal where me and Tony, we were going in person to buy. And Tony saved that deal. Because we went to the guy's restaurant to buy the house and he offended me and I, I got up to walk out. <laughs> I think he said something like, um, like we, we contracted it for either 90 or hundred K and did a home inspection. And I met him there at the home inspect after the home inspection. And I told him, I said, man, I, I don't know. Like the home inspection was worse than what I thought. So I don't know if we can take it, but I said, you know, we ended up, we set up an appointment there at his restaurant, which is really bad frame, by the way. It's like literally, if, you, if you're if you a mafia boss, like going to the other mafia yeah. boss's lair to, right. to negotiate, it's like not the best. But it, it, it was a good lunch. I mean, it was, it was yeah. nice Cajun cuisine. Yeah. I enjoy the lunch. That's good. And so I got to, he said something. Brandon gets this and he's walking off and I'm sitting over there eating the line. I mean, I didn't really care. <laughs> but. Tony kept it together and we did well on that deal. But uh, Chubby was painting and I get there and I said, Chubby, and it didn't look good. I said, Chubby, have you been smoking? He said, no, I haven't been smoking at all. I haven't been smoking at all. I said, man, you better go over there and smoke and come back in here. That's right. Because he, he's better if, if he's been smoking. He, he is better if he's more relaxed. <laughs> so and I don't know a more relaxed human on the planet than Chubby. Yeah. Until he gets angry. Uh, and he, he's got a temper on. I can't decide whether he needs to be Santa in our Christmas parade. That, that that would work. Or he needs to go on the road and do the remake of all the Grateful Dead's music because he, he's a dead ringer for Jerry Garcia, too. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So, good fellow. Anyway, lots going on. Lots going on in the business. We're buying houses and seeing no issue with that. Um, wanted to go over a couple things in the news to kind of kick us off, both of these are from Housing Wire. The first is titled, Despite Lack of Supply, Existing Home Sales Rise 6.7%. This was from January. Okay, so home buyers flocked to what little inventory existed in January with existing home sales rising 6.7% from the prior month to a seasonally adjusted rate of 6.5 million. Uh, January sales fell 2.3% from a year earlier though the median existing home price rose 15.4% annually to $350,000. 15.4% rise in price year over year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. Okay. Uh, the supply of homes for sale fell to a record low, down 16.5% from a year ago. Uh, really interesting numbers there. Uh, there were just 860,000 homes for sale at the end of January, according to the report. That translates to just one6 month supply, a healthy market generally has between four and six months supply. So we have right now nationally 1.6 month supply on market. Generally, four to six is considered healthy. Above six, we start to buyer's market territory. But I mean, we're so far away from that. And the thing is, like, what can fix this problem? Like, because development costs are so high, land costs are so high, the idea of like a starter home neighborhood, single family, that's not condo, mm-hmm. like detached single family, like it practically doesn't exist in most markets. Like you can't buy the land, put the roads in, develop, pay the engineer, the excavators and everything, and then sell that lot to a builder to where they can put a two hundred dollars or $250,000 yeah. product on the ground. Well, was it six months ago we had one house in Murfreesboro 
under two hundred thousand dollars in the morning. Yeah, and and my guess is now we have zero. Yeah, you know, it's like it, it's trending up so quickly. But those houses are get they're being bought up before they hit the market. Yeah, that's right. And and keep in mind when we talk about a fifteen percent year uh, year over year increase in in price, that includes all, includes all price buckets. So of course you're going to see higher inflations in the lower in price ranges because there, there's less supply there than million dollar plus properties. You know, but we're seeing price rising everywhere. The second article I wanted to go over today, also from Housing Wire, mortgage rates blow past in industry predictions. Okay, so like one of the things that we've been told, and everybody's really expecting this to happen, consumer price index really became a problem in spring of last year, so about a year ago, almost a year ago. And CPI in November hit a point where I think the Fed really had to, to take a look and say like, okay, this is a problem that has to be addressed. So CPI is consumer price index. So it's the inflationary index for a basket of goods for consumers. And, and it's a doctored number. It's like one of the things that they'll do is like if a TV and electronics usually depreciate. So like a TV is a lot cheaper now than it was like 15 years ago, for like a flat screen. But like if, if a car is 10% higher in price, but it's 10% more comfortable, then they'll, they'll start to like adjust it. You know, based on, well, it's it's not really a 10% increase because you get more for that money. You know, so all these numbers are doctored to a certain extent anyway. But the Fed really had to, has, is in a, a tough place at this point because, you know, rates are effectively like super low. Inflation is really high, but they know as, as they tick these rates up, that pulls money from the markets. So stock market uh, has the the potential for volatility. Real estate pricing has a potential for volatility. And all that to say, the Fed had a statement that they thought the 30-year rate would be 4% by end of this year. We just hit it. So they're a little early. You know, it's fe- middle of February, okay, near the end of February. So mortgage rates blow past industry predictions. Some mortgage rates indices topped 4% on Thursday, blowing past predictions that rates might reach those levels by the end of 2022. Economists had predicted rates would rise as the overall economy stabilized. The latest mortgage rate survey from Freddie Mac puts the 30-year mortgage rate at 3.69%, while the average rate in the latest mortgage application survey from the Mortgage Banker Association was 3.83%. Other indices put mortgage rates even higher. Black Knight's Optimal Blue, which provides data for the secondary market, reported the average rate for the 30-year conforming mortgage was 4.071% on Friday morning, and it reported the 30-year rate for FHA at 4.122%. Okay. Quote, if conditions stay in the current state, we'll certainly see higher rates and can. But it's also useful to know that we've seen rates drop pretty quickly if there was some other kind of economic news that's unexpected. Okay. And so what everybody's talking about is two things, really, which are the rates in the market, which we're seeing rise, but then also Ukraine. And I don't know much about the Ukraine situation. Do you have you been following that tone? A little bit, a little bit. I mean, obviously, it, it would be as if years ago Texas had pulled out of the United States. Okay. And the United States got used to it and said it was okay, but they they later had a leader come back into power who loved the old days and said, I think it, it would be great if we had Texas back. Yeah. And he has spent a lot of time trying to figure out how he can do that without the rest of the world going nuts. <laughs> and um, and he has, this is his his attempt to do that. Yeah. And the rest of the world is pretty much going nuts. Right now. So. Yeah. 
So, and my understanding is that Ukraine is like the breadbasket of Europe. So, like, there's a lot of food production. There's a lot of a lot of resources. There. A lot of resources, and so it would make sense on the rest of Russia, but because it's a large, large space. Yeah, there's a lot of poverty there. Okay. So, so my understanding is that literally 75% of Russian armed forces are at the border. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a lot of people. That's what they're reporting. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. yeah fair. Fair. So all of that to say, um, maybe it was Saturday. I was looking on Facebook and one of my Facebook friends who I don't really know, but mm-hmm. Facebook friends, you know how that is, posted just a, a really good question. Like with Ukraine and the Russian crisis, what do you think about real estate? values okay like what do you think the impact is going to be in real estate and of course you you had a lot of people that gave a lot of opinions and some of them i understood like there's some logic with and some of them i I really didn't understand at all like there's this one guy this is a guy that i respect but he said in 21 months we hit a correction 21 months like not 20 not 22 and i thought about messaging him and being like so what day is this occurring like we know exactly the month, like what day and hours is occurring. It's like, yeah. And nobody knows like that. That's kind of where I am. And I posted this, like I'm a hundred percent confident knowing that no one knows. And it's not like this is a, a three or four or even a 10 variable equation. I mean, this is a thousand variable equation. And so with that, nobody can really have the context of knowing everything that could happen. And even if we knew all of those variables, those variables are ever changing. And so I I don't really see the need to go into like hyper freak out mode over this. You know what I mean? But I also feel like if I was just a rehabber or I was just wholesaling, I would be very nervous right now. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you're dependent upon the retail market where half of our business is not, Mm -hmm. you know, so and, he, and here's the thing, guys, like we're all the time caught between two markets anyway. We're in a market to buy and we're in a market to sell. And so those are inversely related. So it's either really difficult to buy like it is right now for most people. And it's really easy to sell because like we talked about, no inventory or opposite. It's really easy to buy like it was in 2010 when I started and what roughly 2014 when you started, it was, it was still pretty easy to buy. Right. It was more difficult to sell, yeah. you know? And when I say that, we're talking about the retail market yeah. because, and, and, and here's the thing, like those things are, are market specific. So like if, if I was scaling market, San Francisco, which is a market that we're entering here in the next 30 or so days as a test, San Francisco is probably the most difficult market in the country to buy in right now, but it's also the easiest to sell in. Okay. If we looked at Detroit or maybe Flint, Michigan, as an example, I don't know if they ever fixed their water problem. You know, maybe they did, but you know, those would be markets that it's really easy to buy in. But then what? Like you have to sell it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so you don't have the values yet in San Francisco, and you don't have the values. And that's one thing when we entered Pittsburgh is it was really tough to make fifty k on a house worth forty. You know, so it didn't really make sense for us to yeah. to put a whole lot of time and energy in that market. So, so uh, I mean, it almost sounds like I hear you saying that these situations, you know, we use the word new normal all the time. Well, this is the new normal. Yeah. What I've learned in 61 years is new normals are temporary. <laughs> You're right. They are not, <laughs> they are normal for a time that they're going to be 
uh, active in, and then there'll be a new normal that'll take place. Right. And, and they, they function in seasons. And, and, uh, and if you're lucky, you're in some kind of, there's a spotlight on you when, when the new normal is up, would you get to take credit for that? Right. But if you happen to, if the spotlight's on you, when the new normal is down, you get blamed for that. Right. So why does this, why are you not talking as if this is going to affect us? So I, I don't think in a negative way. It, That's my question. Why yeah. don't you care? So because we're all the time caught between two markets, yeah. we're in a market to buy and a market to sell. We're always caught between two inversely related markets anyway. The only thing that we have to do is really identify where we are and where we're going. Okay. So if we have a correction and it's going to happen, it's not a, a question of if, it's going to happen. I don't know if it's three months from now, three years from now, or 30 years from now. Would it be easy to say it? corrections don't happen in a day? And so it has slowly started. We look back and say, now looking back, it really started at this point back here. So we probably, with the feds going up on the interest rate, we have begun. I would, if I had to. A to, slow longer. Yeah. If we had to, if I had to bet a dollar on like what part of the market cycle we're in, I feel like we're at the very tip top peak right now and when i say like right now like within a six month window and then we're going to see stabilization and possibly decline okay now why do i not care about that yeah okay so the the thing is like when i started in 2010 it was a completely different business you know and there have been so many people that and we've talked about this a lot where they're not good buyers they don't base their deals on fundamentals and conservatism when I say conservatism, I'm not talking politics. I'm talking about like buying real equity day one, right? And they, um, the market saved them in a big way. So like a good example of this, you remember those guys that we sold a couple houses to? In Ania? Yeah. So um, I bought a house for 50K and I, I put out owner finance signs on it and they called one of the owner finance signs. And uh, I think I was under financing it for like 150 and they said, well, we'll pay 135. I said, well, what's your down payment? They said, well, this is cash. And I was like, well, that, that's fine. So they paid 135. They put 130 in it. Okay. So they were in at 260. The highest comp in this neighborhood ever was 180. So they were the tip of the spear. They were trying to change the neighborhood. And somehow by the grace of God, their appraiser agreed with them. I have no idea how this happened. And they made $3,000. Okay. We made... 82 or something like that, 85, uh, they made three. And the difference there is- We did spend that money on those signs in that magic market. We did, and and there was a little bit of gas. We, we had, had to get those damn things out. We had about $14, and you're right about that. So we'll, we'll have to do a P&L. So these are rough numbers, guys. Don't, don't hold me straight to the 85. But um, that's a difference, and you can buy equity a lot easier and cheaper than you can build it. And they were out there building it. Can't do it with sloppy systems. Correct. And they were, they were great rehabbers, but they were terrible buyers. And so the market solved that problem for them. If they were in any kind of a market outside of the past 10 years, then they would have they would have lost their – yeah, completely. Okay? So for me, in 2010 when I started, wholesaling, practically speaking, did not exist. Somebody had real equity. You know, days on market was practically a year. You might be able to get to that price, but the absorption of the market was so low that it takes, it's like eating an elephant, you know, like the, the elephant might get eaten one day, like, but it's going to take forever to get there. 
Okay. And I remember houses that we had as a realtor where we had an appraisal for 190 and we couldn't sell it for 170, you know, because, and we could have in a year, but it would have taken that long, you know, so there's a different function of like price versus absorption. You know, sometimes you can get the price, but do you want to wait a year on it? You know, so that 2010 market, wholesaling did not exist. Nobody had equity. Fix and flipping was really, really pretty rare because they were chasing the snowball downhill. So you'd buy a house thinking the price is like 200K exit. And then when you get it finished, it's 180. So these people would have to buy really, really deep discounts. Well, the only real way that they could do that was buying from banks because homeowners didn't have the equity position, generally speaking. Okay. So this is the market that I started in. And had it not been for David teaching me on finance, I don't know of a, another way to like really weather that market. Home building didn't exist. Development didn't exist. Wholesaling pretty much did not exist. Fix and flipping was extremely like limited. But then the owner finance market was different. And so the first deal I ever did, this was after eight months of trying with, with no real success. And I remember I had a, a call come in and uh, went to the appointment, uh, husband and wife. And I say that with a little bit of forgiveness in it because they, they were quickly on the way to divorce. And, and I will say this was one of the more contentious situations that I've ever run into in my career. And it being my first one was, was a heck of a moment because whenever the wife signed, she threw the pen at the husband <laughs> at the table. But we bought it subject to there's $97,000 owed. They were going to be a payment behind next month. And so uh, I signed it up sub two and I told them, hey, I'm going to put my buyer in place with owner finance and exactly our script work and how we do things. And they said, that's fine. And they, they literally just did not care because they already knew they didn't have enough time to sell with the realtor. Yeah. They were going to get foreclosed on. They cared about the credit, which we were going to make sure that was taken care of. And I mean, the house needed some repair. So like the fact that we could pull this off, like they were just like, if you think you can do something, great. Okay. As yes, they not only didn't have the time to sell it, they didn't have the money to make the repairs. Correct. Nor the time to sell it. Right. And given that their their main motivation was to get away from one another, I mean, that's a big motivation. I've never gone through a divorce. I hope to God that never happens. I don't think it will. But I can't imagine living with someone that you detest. And the house is the final thing that you have to get rid of to get rid of this other person. You know? So anyway, as a side note, I always had a real hang up with sellers understanding that we're making money. You know, like, is someone going to be upset at me for knowing what we're making? Okay. And and this is the, the best example, even today, of like that not being an issue. Because back then to market the house, I put a, an owner finance sign in the yard. I put all these owner finance signs around town, drive traffic to the house. People would call the sign in the front yard and then we would sell the house. So I remember being like really nervous to put the sign in the front yard because they were still living there. Okay. And it said owner financing, call for info. And then there was a second sign that said owner financing, call for showings. And it was a separate number. So if someone got in front of the house and they didn't know about the house, they could call the info sign first and then call me for the showing. Okay. So I have this little Volvo at the time. And I jump out at about 7.30, maybe 8 o'clock because I thought, well, maybe they'll be at dinner. You know, maybe they won't be there. And so, and I'm trying to, as quietly as I can, hammer this wood stake into, into the ground with this, this mallet. I've got like a three pound hammer 
And so I, I hit it and it ricochets all over all the other houses. It's like, it's like I'm shooting off a, a pistol in the front yard. You know what I mean? So like, I do this as quick as I can with these two signs. I like jet out of there. Like I just stolen something. And about 10 minutes later, I get a call and it's the street dash, the, the street address dash seller. So I know it's my seller. And the conversation goes something like this. He says, uh, Brad, this is John over on 123 Main Street. Hey, John, you put a sign in my front yard, right? And I can just feel my stomach dropping with every question. You know, it's just getting worse and worse. <laughs> you put a sign in my front yard, right? Well, I called the number. Okay. Your owner financing this house for $135,000. Now, keep in mind, I bought it for ninety seven. And I, I can barely squeak out yes at this point. And he said, huh, I've got a daughter that's looking for a house with owner finance. Do you think you could sell the house to her? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This guy's not only not upset at the money that we're making, he's trying to find me a buyer yep. at the price. At the new price. At the new price. Yeah. You know, and I had to call him back and tell, tell him, like, hey, I appreciate you thinking of, of me and, and help, trying to help, but she doesn't have a strong enough down payment, which was a little bit awkward. Okay. What he didn't know was if she had, he himself could have owner financed the house to her. That's right. He already had his mortgage subject to. Yeah, he had his mortgage. And so and he, he had to owner financed the house to her for 135 Yep. And caught his mortgage up, not gone through a foreclosure, and made the equity between the 135 and the 97 himself. Right. And not had to pay a realtor 6% to do it. Right. Right. 100%. And that would have solved his problem. And that's why I think it's a lot better to work smart than work hard. Yeah. Because we created, what, $38,000 in value on that deal where no net equity really existed in the retail market. And so I began to, to sell the house under finance. Three days later, I had a husband and wife that reached out. They had $20,000 down. Both of them were nurses. This was 2010. They had a foreclosure in Florida about two and a half years prior. Okay. So they had great incomes. I had cash and saving their money, trying to find something. And they were perfect. Uh, I think maybe six or seven years later, they paid off. So you, so you had 135. They gave you 20 of that down. Right. So you were at 115. Right. So you still had the difference between 115 and 95. 97. 97. So 18,000. About 18,000. However, seven years later, the value of the house had gone back up again. Yeah. Yeah. So that created more equity for you on the back end. Well, the note appreciates. So anytime that you have a wrap that is at a 30-year note and then the underlying is at uh, less than that, then it's going to appreciate. But the thing was, I made more in cash flow in this deal at about $400 a month. Mm-hmm. for seven years than I did anywhere else, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's the thing. If we have a correction, we're just going to play that, that type of model again, sure. you know, and sure. it's a model that we know very well. So I don't really care what the market goes to, but you have to have that contingency plan for yourself. Yeah. Okay. So um, are yes. you surprised at the down payments that we can get in some of these rural markets? Uh, sometimes I am. I, I would expect more down payments in a, a Murfreesboro or a Lebanon, obviously Nashville. Mm-hmm. But 
the bigger satellite communities outside that that's where I expect the biggest down payments. I don't expect someone to come into Winchester right. with a $30,000 down payment or someone to buy in Castilian Springs with a $25,000 down payment. Met me in the parking lot of the barbecue joint in Mount Judith and pulled out a wad of cash. I've, I've had that happen in a Starbucks. $25,000 of cash. And I had to, I had to ask him to put it away. I would have taken it. <laughs> and, uh, and I went to the car and uh, I had a new pair of shoes in the car and I took the shoes out and took the box over there, the shoe box over there and had him put his cash in that shoe box. I mean, I, that kind of stuff I don't expect in little places like that. Yeah. Hartsville, you know, uh, I get a $7,000 down payment. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But $45,000 down payment in McMinnville, the rural community. Extremely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's an amazing thing. So, but I, I would be a little bit nervous if I was wholesaling and I would be a little bit nervous if I was just fixing flipping because both of those are contingent upon the retail market, which I think at some point has to soften. Now we're going to have to see a lot of inventory come on the market real fast for us to see softening. And that's the thing like buyer demand can, can really get moved up and down really quickly with interest rates, but supply doesn't just happen overnight. You know, so guys, watch your supply numbers, especially, and, and guys, remember, all of this is local. Like the national numbers that I've, I've given, they give us a broad brushstroke, but we really have to look at the, the markets and the micro markets to figure out like what is really going on here, you know, but we have to watch the data. But um, I don't really care what happens. And, and frankly, I remember in 2015, I really wished for a 2012 market. Because I hadn't learned how to, to navigate quite yet exactly how to source motivated seller leads. Yeah. And then the process of purchasing that we have really perfected at this point. So, you know, a good thing about the market we've been in is that you can make good cash on a fix and flips. Mm-hmm. Okay. The bad part about the market we've been in is you can get real sloppy about your craft. Yeah. And so you don't you, you don't do the work up front to buy all the equity you can buy on the front end. Right. You don't do the hard work of managing your flip. So you're, you're losing money during that process. And, and on the, on the back end, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. Uh, some houses we get, you could basically spit on them and put them on the market. And the way it's been, it's going to be fine. Right. Where we're headed, we won't be able to do sloppy work. We're going to have to learn a craft that the masses don't know. Yeah. And our mindset has got to get tight again, like it was in the last recession when realtors started dropping off like flies because it wasn't easy anymore. Right. There's no low, no hanging fruit laying on the ground. And if we do move into something like that, there's that low hanging fruit's going to go away. And so as investors, we do have to get disciplined again. We have to have the right mindset. We can't just play around with, well, you know, I'm going to let that one go just because I've got some other stuff I want to do today. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to learn creative ways to find sellers who want to finance to us so that we're not borrowing at 15%. We already know how to buy a house subject to, so we've got a 3.5% interest rate on their mortgage, and we don't have to borrow that money and pay it off in front. Yeah. We got to learn to not pay cash for everything. So learning to live from, buy from, think from 
a tighter, uh, more mature mindset is going to be extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good point. I mean, my mindset is I'm 35 years old. I'm going to be in this, I hope, for another 60 years. So I'm going to see a different even group of market cycles in that time. So, and I think we're overdue. So like if, if we run into something like, okay, we expect in the next 60 years, I'm going to see a change. Yeah. You know, it can't just keep going on values like a rocket ship at 15% per year, you know, so. Uh, I'll only be 121. <laughs> You'll only be 121. I think they might cure death by then. So we'll, we'll just wheelchair you in here. It won't be any problem. You, you can just give a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You won't even have to say anything. Yeah. I just can't say enough as someone who until eight years ago wouldn't even have known what these words mean. And even when I mention them today to friends of mine who are in this business still yeah. don't know what those words mean. Yeah. Please, at this point, find somebody who understands deal structure. It's really not anything new. I mean, I watched my, my papa one time sell a half an acre of his property to his next door neighbor who had bought 15 new cows and needed a half an acre of grass to feed them. Mm-hmm. And he paid for that by giving my uh, papa a quarter of a cow for the next 10 years. Oh, wow. Now that's creative. That's cre- that is creative financing, and we've got to learn how to do that without everybody getting their whatever percent right out of our pocket. And that's why I feel so confident in what we do, guys. If, if we have a correction, there's going to be all of this three and four percent money out there that has already been originated, and it's on a fixed thirty year rate. And the wholesalers are gone. Probably half the realtors are gone. Mm-hmm. The idea that a seller has that they have all of these options to sell to, you know, I I can go this route or this route or this route, don't really exist. And so it's just going to make buying much easier, you know, and then playing the long game, which is cash flow assets, becomes a lot easier. Because right now, the opportunity cost to play the cash flow game is quite high. You know, like we're oftentimes like in, in, well, I hate to say predicament because it's a hell of a predicament, but it's like, okay, do I want $600 a month in cash flow or do I want a 90K check right now? Right. You know, that, that's a tough decision because that 90K in cash can go and fund other deals that create more cash flow. What's your 90? So you are 34. So 30 years from now, you're 64. What's that 90K worth? In, well, 30, in 35. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, not that 90K, yeah, but what is the, what is what you got up front that $600 a month cash flow going to be worth in 30 years from now? Yeah, I mean, that's a thing. Like across a 10 year span, you'll almost always look back and think, gosh, I wish I had that asset back. Like even the people that bought in 1999, and then you look at the curve to 2009, even then, like in, in some markets, it was basically break even. But in most markets in the U.S., across a 10-year time period, any 10 years, you're actually going to increase in value. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff that, strictly financially speaking, that we wrote owner financing on five, six years ago, strictly financially speaking, we, we would like to have those properties back. Now, I hate the idea of foreclosure. I don't like to foreclose. We try to do in-house refinances if we can to keep people in houses if there's an issue. But at the same time, strictly financially speaking, foreclosures have, have been... Nice little, nice little days, you know? So, um, but all that to say, I mean, deal structure solves all of this. Like if you have, a, if you have an understanding of deal, you can buy subject to, you have the script work that is the bridge to deal structure. Because a lot of people understand the idea of deal structure, but they don't really know how to get there. Mm. It's like, how do I explain this in a way that's upfront and honest, but not terrifying, mm. you know? And there's a lot of nuances to that. Like we had our first call review 
call yesterday and going through the details of attending a call would take 45 minutes, you know, because there's so much to, to the negotiation side, right? you know? So any final thoughts, Tom? No, I mean, I'm, I am, I'm looking forward to it. I, I don't see that it's going to be that big of an issue for us. No, it doesn't have to be scary. And it doesn't have to be scary for you. I mean, anytime there's somebody out there that's doing something that's working, I mean, I want to talk to them. Yeah. yeah. I don't care what it is. Yeah. I want to talk to them, especially if it's worked for them already before. And and uh, nobody nobody's white paper right now is predicting what happened in the same thing that happened in 07, 08, right. 08 and on. We're, they're not predicting that. But if you've already been through one that tough, yeah, going through the next one, if you've got the right tools, it is going to be a piece of cake. Yeah, for sure. If you have the right tools. If you have the right tools. But I will say that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get woken up from a really good dream and realize that, that the reality at that point is not what they'd hoped for mm-hmm. because they have no idea how a normal market works. Like, and, and, and I see this, this is kind of my final thought. I saw this in like 2006. So 2005 and six, I started in real estate in 05 uh, as a realtor. And I remember one time a builder at the office, the Keller Williams office that I worked at, and he was nervous because his houses weren't pending. They weren't finished. They were barely framed. And what was normal back then was the house would sell before framing stage. You'd sell it from the plant because there's so much demand. And he was nervous about the market at that point. And that's kind of what I'm seeing now is you have a lot of really unseasoned investors. And when I say unseasoned, if you haven't navigated a, a, a down market, a really strong buyer's market, then you're not seasoned. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just a different set of tools. Kind of said. So I think a lot of point to get that rude awakening, but it doesn't have to be that way. I don't care what the market does. I just want to know what direction we're going and we can pivot very, very quickly. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys, if you need anything, reach out, support at bradsmillman.com. We'll see you guys next week, Tuesday morning coffee. Done. Take it easy today. See you.